Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I've always enjoyed culture. I grew up, I was a kid in the 60s, teenager in the 70s, and I've always paid attention. So I was really one of those generations that grew up with television. We watched the Vietnam War on television. And so I've always been interested in, in culture. And I was thinking about phrases that came out of different generations. And so you don't have to yell if this is your group, but um, out of the 60s, here are some of the phrases that came out. The 60s gave us some interesting phrases. Far out. He was a like, far out, man. It, 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 Actually, a lot of the 60s terminology was drug-induced, so just on. <laughs> Bummer was, was a, a new one. Um, give me some skin was, was a 60s phrase. People used to do, remember, give me some skin. They would hold, you know, it was like a low five. It preceded the high five and the fist bump, elbow bump and shoulder bump, and um, got to split. That was, I'm going I'm to leave, man, I got to split. And so that was a leaving time. 70s, I don't think the 70s, and that was my general, I don't think they did a good job in the 70s. We had, 70s gave us 10-4 good buddy. <laughs> there was a uh, CV phrase, a craze that took off in the 70s. Everybody was going breaker, breaker, 10-4, good buddy, all right? Um, boogie was a word that was used in various different terms. To dance was to boogie. If you left, we're going to boogie out. Space cadet. Um, a space cadet was someone that did too much drugs in the 60s, and so they were a space cadet <laughs> in the 70s. And then the, the 70s gave us, well, excuse me. That, 80s, 80s was kind of lax too. 80s had gag me with a spoon. Uh, veg out came out of the 80s. 80s did give us, where's the beef? And then the 90s, 90s. 90s had some good ones. Remember, talk to the hand, not to the thing. All that in a bag of chips. Yeah, you remember that? I see we've got 90s people in here. What? You, you guys were sleeping during the first service. You're here now. That's good to have you. The 90s gave us my bad. That, that's where my bad came from. My bad. It's just it's a way of saying I'm sorry. My bad. And then the, the 90s also gave us the phrase, don't go there. Someone would say something, people would say, no, 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 don't go there. And uh, that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. Uh, don't go there. And so, well, where are we not going? Uh, we don't want to go to places that are dark in our thoughts and in our mind. So I want to talk about not going there. Um, there are some places I don't want to go. One of them is jail. I'm not the kind of guy that would walk into a jail and somebody nudges his buddy and go, here comes trouble. You know, I, I'm, I would not strike fear in any... Jail would not be a good place for me. I, uh, I read about a couple, elderly couple, uh, kind of living on the poor side, and they went grocery shopping together, and, and the wife really wanted some peaches, and the husband wouldn't buy it, and so she stole a can of peaches and got caught. And now she's standing in front of the judge. She's an elderly woman. She's standing in front of the judge, and the judge goes, Man, what did you steal? She said, Peaches, Your Honor. He said, How many peaches were in the, the can? She said, four, Your Honor. And he said, I sentence you to four days in jail. 
He's about to wrap the gavel and her husband stood up and said, Your Honor, she also stole a can of peas. <laughs> don't go there. Just, just don't. I don't want to go to jail. I, here's another place I don't want to go. I don't want to go through a cemetery at night. You know, I'm not superstitious. I'm not worried about ghosts. The only ghost I'm concerned about is the Holy Ghost. I'm not worried about ghosts. It's just a spooky place. And you go through at night, and, uh, no. And then the last place I don't want to go is I don't want to go to an outdoor wedding in the afternoon in July in Texas. I, can I get an amen on that? All you, he was like, well, you're just wimpy. No, I'm always the guy in the coat and tie sweating profusely at these things. And so, no, I, I don't want to go there. So there are physical places, but you know, there's more than just physical places. There are places we go in our mind, places we go in our thoughts, and they can be good or they can be dark. And what's challenging is that so much of the time, so much of our thoughts, even though we may have a smile on the outside, so much of our thoughts are, are thoughts of, of pain, of the present, of the past, of, of uh, dread, of fear, of hopelessness, hate, revenge. All these are dark, dark thoughts. And we don't want to go there. I read something just uh, Friday in the Houston Chronicle. They were talking about a new therapy that's come out that's in Houston, based out of Houston. It's called vitality, I believe is the term. <coughs> Excuse me. And immortality uh, was founded by a guy who's from uh, Poland. And uh, he said that he studied uh, indigenous teachers and ancestral healings, which almost anything they come out with now is either going to be science or ancient. You know, no one ever came up with something, hey, I just thought this up. No, it's had to come from foreign country and it's ancient or it's science-based. But he's got this new therapy. And... Uh, Basically, it's, he said he wants to help people get out unprocessed negative energy that's in them. So here's the deal. You pay 120 bucks. You go into a room at, uh, I think, the Post Oak Hilton with a lot of other people, and you laugh, scream, and cry uncontrollably with breathing techniques. And this helps you get out all this negative pent-up energy. And, and then he told you uh, who it was for. So it was for anybody who was uh, having negative thoughts, anyone who had had a loss or a bad breakup, anyone who had anger or irritation, anyone who had anxiety, anyone who lived paycheck to paycheck, anyone who had insomnia. It's like, it works for everybody. And so... I started reading that, and I, I got I to admit, my skepticism is really starting to rise up now. And I'm thinking, really? So I'm going to pay 120 bucks. I'm going to go there. I'm going to scream. I'm going to laugh uncontrollably. And this is going to, and this breathing technique is going to help me get out all this negative energy that's in me. And it, oh, it gets better. Because if you don't want to, if you don't want to pay the 120, you can take the online course, and that's $999. Oh, yeah. Buy a t-shirt, 40 bucks, and a yoga mat for 75. I'm thinking, I know who's laughing uncontrollably. It's the guy who came up with this idea. 
But here's, here's the thing, as I was reading it, and like I said, I'm skeptical, because I've, I've seen snake oil salesmen before. And I thought, and, but I started thinking about that, and then something caught me. It's like, people are hurting. And they'll do anything to get out of the pain. People are hurting, and if, if someone promises them something that says, hey, you can get out of that pain, you can get all that negative stuff, things that happened to you in your childhood, things like that, and people will do anything they can to get out. Now, if you're thinking about, hey, I'm going to try that, I'm, I'm, I can save you 120. Because here's the deal. If you don't change your thoughts, all that negative energy is not going anywhere. You, you've got to be able to change the way you're, you're thinking and processing. And even, you know, the one who made us knows us. David wrote something in the Psalms. I thought it's just a really is a, good, it's a good way of looking at this. He said, he's talking to his soul. He's talking to his thoughts. He's talking to his his emotions. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Would you leave that up there just for a second? We don't use the term cast down now. We would use, why are you down? Why are you depressed? And he's talking to his soul. He's like, why are you, why are you soul, you're down. What's going on? Why are you disturbed? Disquieted means to be disturbed to be sad, to be just at angst within me. He said, here's my answer. Yell and scream for 120 bucks. No, don't do that. Um, <laughs> he says, hope in God. That word hope is not a wish. That's a, I, I'm looking to God for his, the help of his countenance means his saving acts. His saving acts. He says, I'm going to praise God because I'm looking to him. Yeah, I'm dealing with dark times. I'm dealing with thoughts that aren't good. He said, wait a minute. I'm going to arrest those dark thoughts. I'm going to catch them. I'm not going to go there. And I'm going to put my hope and trust in the living God who can help me out of this situation. I will yet praise him. He's my help. He's the one who lifts my countenance. Dark thoughts. Dark places. Don't go there. There's a, a man in the Bible, well-known, probably one of the most well-known prophets in the Bible. In the Old Testament, he's mentioned 30 times. In the New Testament, his name is Elijah. And Elijah is a person just like us. And one thing I love about the Bible is the Bible tells us about these, these men and women of God, and it tells us some of their challenges and things that they dealt with, and I love that, because it means we're human, and they were human. And Elijah, though, was a, a bold man. I mean, he was, he was strong. He stood down kings. King Ahab was this horrible king. And Ahab saw him and said, you're the one that's troubling Israel. And he looked at the king and went, no, it's you. You and your wife. Y'all are, are, oh, she was bad too. She's a mean woman. But uh, Ahab, he stood down kings. He prayed and it stopped raining for three and a half years. And, and then he calls for a showdown with all the prophets of Baal. Israel had turned to the false gods and he called for a showdown with the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. There were like 800 of them. And he says, hey, let's see the God who answers by fire and God answered by fire. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the short version, but I'm just telling you one. God answered by fire and the nation of Israel recognized it and they turned back to God. They said the Lord is God. And then he personally was responsible for seeing 800 of these prophets ex executed, killed them all. 
And then he prays again, and it starts to rain. And rain three and a half. So this guy's having win after win after win. And then the Holy Spirit comes on him, and the Bible says he outran the chariots back to town. I mean, this is like, <laughs> this brother's awesome. And then he gets an L, suffers a loss. See it right here, 1 Kings. Ahab told Jezebel, that's the mean woman, all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then, by the way, 400 of those prophets were Jezebel's pet goddess, Asherah, who was a Canaanite fertility goddess. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life, it's the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, I'm killing you, world. And when he saw that, that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. What I wanted you to see in this, in this, this story is there's a progression here, and the progression starts when Elijah receives a threat. He just had these amazing winds. Maybe this one caught him completely by surprise had some amazing winds, and now he's got Jezebel saying, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. And his response to that threat was fear. He ran. He didn't, he didn't, and that's what's unusual, because you think, okay, this is a man of God. This guy's been used mightily of God. This guy has done amazing things, and yet this one got him. And he responded in fear, and instead of, instead of praying, instead of saying, God, what should I do? God, this woman's going to kill me. God, should I leave? He, he doesn't do it. He just gets up and runs. And the one thing about fear is when you give in to fear, it begins to open the door to darkness in your life. And because God's not a God of fear. And so he could have prayed. He could have said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord might have told him to leave. But the fact that he just ran first was a step in the wrong direction. He moved out of fear. Second thing he did was he intentionally isolated himself. Now, I know sometimes when you're not doing well and maybe just kind of not, not feeling too good, there's tendency to go, no, everyone just kind of leave me alone. Just, I want to be by myself. I want to be alone. But Elijah isolated himself because when he went to Beersheba, he left his serpent there. And then he himself went out into the wilderness. Now, guys, if, what a great metaphor for isolation. The wilderness, we would call it the desert. So he's out in the middle of the desert and he left behind the guy who could have helped him. The guy who could have looked at him and said, hey, Elijah, it's okay, man. It's all right. It's going to be good. God's helped us in the past. God can help us now. Because sometimes when you get in those dark places, your perspective is only your own. And there was no other voice coming at Elijah. He's now on his own. He's by himself. So he runs in fear. He then gets isolated and now he's tired, and I think it's Winston Churchill that said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And now he goes and he just, he, he's sitting under a broom tree, and you see where his thoughts go to a very dark place. He basically said, I'm no better than my father's. Now that's not self-depreciating humor. There's no humility in that. He's putting himself down. I'm just, I'm no better. I'm, I'm just, I'm, basically it's the I'm worthless. And then he asked the Lord, he said, Take my life. Kill me. He, he, and I've heard people say, well, 
You know, if he really wanted to die, he could have stayed in Jerusalem and Jezebel will have accommodated him. I don't think that was it. I think what happened was he didn't want to die. But when he moved in fear and when he got on his own and he just got into a dark place, now he's gone to the place where he's, he's down on himself, he's down on what he's done, and now he's just telling the Lord, Lord, kill me. Just take my life. Indicating I've got no vision for the future. It's hopeless. Now the good news is the Lord didn't kill him. The Lord didn't take his life. He lived again. He finally, he finally got things together. But, and I love the fact that when Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration 800 years later. When Jesus has a vision, it's Moses and Elijah that are talking with him. Aren't you glad God doesn't hold our dark moments against us? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And here was, here was a guy who had a moment. But as we look at this moment, we can look at how do we stay out of dark places? How do we stay out of, of the dark thoughts that come? Here's, here's the first one here. Learn to resist fear, not run from fear. Resist fear. I hear people say, well, you know, fear, a little fear is good for you. I don't want any fear. Say, if you've gotten to the place now where there's no fear in your life, no, but that's the goal. Because fear opens the door to darkness. Here's the thing. God never uses fear as a motivator. He does not threaten his people. He does not... He does not ever come to you and go, here I am, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. His message is always fear not. It's always fear not. And so we have to learn to resist fear. And when we begin to resist the fear, what it begins to do is it begins to close the door to the darkness. Jesus one time was talking to a man who had just gotten a bad report. And in Mark, the fifth chapter, Jesus said, do not be afraid, only believe. So he said, how do I resist fear? Well, the way we resist fear is we believe something. We got to believe. And thank God we have someone to believe in. We've got something we can use. Joy was raised, Joy's father, birth father, left her when she was about six weeks old. And she was raised in a single parent home in the 60s in Miami, Florida. And she was pretty much afraid. She was alone a lot. And she was afraid a lot. And she said there was a, there was a house on the corner where a, a boy named Kenny Samuels lived. Kenny was in high school. And if you cut the corner, you know how, how kids will cut a corner? And she cut the corner and she walked on Kenny's grass. He would scream out the window, get off my grass. You better not walk on my, he just screamed at Joy. And, and you can see, imagine Joy's a little one. She's just this little happy little girl who's very much afraid. And said she would walk all the way around on the other side. She just did everything she could to avoid Kenny Samuels. He never came out. He just screamed. And screamed from the open window, get off my grass. And screamed at her. Joy hated that. So she avoided it. Until, until the day her, her mom married a man named Del Todd. Del was 6'4", looked like John Wayne, carried a gun. He was a Miami policeman. And when Dale moved into her house, everything changed. Joy said... First time Dale moved in, she's walking past Kenny Samuel's house, and instead of walking on the other side, she just walked right up on his grass. <laughs> Rebellious little thing that she is, and just, just walked right up on his grass, 
And she said, I am walking on his grass. I'm waiting for him to scream at me because I know I've got a daddy who's a policeman and who will take care of me. And Kenny wasn't there. <laughs> but joy, but she won a victory that day over fear because, not because she was so strong, but because she knew who was backing her up. Guys, listen, the enemy screams and he yells and he tells you how it's gonna be and he tells you what's gonna happen. And you have to learn to say, wait, hold, no, no. I'm not gonna live my life avoiding everything. I'm gonna walk all over your grass because I know who's backing me up and he will stand behind me. And I've got, I got somebody big that I believe in and something to believe. The entrance of his words, I like that new song. The entrance of his words give light and light makes the darkness go away. I know you think, Alan, you're on the, reading the Bible again and speaking God's word again. You better believe I am because we live in a dark world and we need as much light as we can get and you need light coming in. We've got someone to believe in, we have something to believe. Here's the second one, congregate, don't isolate. I know that's a pithy little pastor phrase, but don't forget it. Congregate, don't isolate. We need other voices coming in our life. Sometimes when we go to dark places, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there with fear. You don't want to go there with being alone. Because when you get alone and there's no other voices coming in, often the ones that you're hearing are negative. And so you need, who are the voices in your life? Who speaks to you? And so who are the ones who are speaking into your life? And when you get isolated and get alone, oh man, that's not a good place to be because you live in an echo chamber. Then the only thing coming in are the things you already believe. You need different input. So we need to understand this. This is one of the big values of church. You say, well, and I'm, I'll put these scriptures up. I'm gonna show you these scriptures here. Paul said, let us, actually in the writer of Hebrews. He said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together as is the manner of son, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Leave it up there, please. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. One of the benefits of coming, always encourage people, if you are in the area, if you can come, come to church, not because I need to see your face in the seat, but because you need to be here, you need to be around other people who love God, who believe God, who can help you. And here's the deal. When you're stirring up love and good works and I don't have time to go into it today, that's, if you're going to a dark place in your mind, if you're going to a dark place in your soul, one of the best play, ways to get out of it is to do something good for somebody else that will help you more. It's counterintuitive, but it will really help you. And so God who knows us, who made us, he's telling us, don't get isolated. Go, don't intentionally isolate yourself from other people, especially other believers. Because we need to be around other people. Some of you say, man, you ought to, the people I work with, Alan, they're just heathen. Good. It's good that you're there. You can be a light. But then you need to come get a light refilling and you need to come fill up again. And so we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together because we need one another. And we need the encouragement that comes from one another. Do you realize that loneliness, they're considering one of the loneliest, one of the greatest health risks that faces our generation? People, loneliness causes all kinds of health problems. You can take that down. In the Netherlands, right now, they estimate they have 1.3 million people in the Netherlands, that country, Dutch, you know, with the uh, windmills, that are over the age of 75. And they were concerned about their health because a lot of them were getting isolated. 
And so they started a program calling, called One Against Loneliness. And they began to band together in one of the largest grocery store chains called Jumbo Grocery Stores, opened up what they call a, a chat checkout line. Now, how many of you know the, there's express checkout lines? And then there's the really good ones that I like, where you don't have to talk to anybody. You just go beep it and you know, scan it and go. I like those. This is totally opposite from that. This is where a checker sits, sits down and you come in and you take your time and you chat and you talk because they recognize that loneliness is a killer. And loneliness is a faith killer as well. We need one another. We need other voices coming in. So when it comes to loneliness, when it comes to isolation, don't go there. Here's where you want to go. You want to go to give voice to the light, not the darkness. You don't want to go, to, you don't want to, when it comes to fear, don't go there. When it comes to being isolated, don't go there. But when it comes to giving voice to the light, not the darkness, that's where we want to go. Giving voice to, what do you mean giving voice to the light? Talking bad about yourself is not light, it is darkness. When you say, I'm just this, or I'm this, that, or I'm just terrible. If you're a parent, you understand this. You would never be blessed by your child walking in and going, Mama, I'm just, I'm just a horrible person. I'm ugly, and I don't have any friends, and no one likes me, and I have no future in life. You wouldn't look at them and go, well, praise God, you just discovered the truth. <laughs> you would look at your child and go, no, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? You are beautiful. God, you look just like me. You are gorgeous. You, God's got a plan for you. There's a future in your life. You wouldn't dare let your child put up with that if you're a good parent. You wouldn't let them talk that way. I'm stupid. I'm the knee like, well, no, 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 no. You do not take after your mother's side of the family. You are a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant child. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> but you wouldn't. And it doesn't bless our heavenly father when we tell him he pays such an awesome price for us. It doesn't bless him when we put ourselves down. That's going to a dark place. We need to go with what he says about us. He says we're his creation. He said we were created for good works. He says we're blessed and we're not cursed. He said we're children of light, not children of the darkness. He said he's delivered us from the authority of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We're in a good place. So our best thing for us to do is don't give voice to the darkness and don't give voice to the hopelessness of your situation. Boy, you get in a situation, it's so easy to go, oh, dear God, I just can't believe this. Here we are again. It's never going to get better. I can't believe it. What is your problem? What is my problem? Everyone's got a problem. I can't stand this. That's not helping. That's giving voice to the darkness. And we don't want to give voice to darkness. I said, well, what do we give voice to? Glad you asked. He said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, our expectation of good without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know, we wouldn't be told to hold fast to something, guys, if it was easy. But you know, if I give you a pencil, I don't go, no, hold on to that. You can hold that. But if you're on one of those playground, remember those playground merry-go-rounds? That's what they tell me it's saying. And it's, it's the one where it's like, a, it's like a circle, and you get on, you hold on, and then someone just pushes it and goes round and round faster. It's a great throw-up machine. And, um, but when you get on, you had better hold on or you're going to fly off. And so when someone says, hold on, it's telling us something. 
Listen, when everything within us wants to say negative and wants to go, it's horrible, and wants to talk about the hopelessness, it says, hold fast to your confession, your belief of expectation of good. And so instead of going, it's going to be hard, you go, mm, I believe God's going to help me. I believe we're going to come through this. I don't know how, I can't tell you how, but I know God is God and he's our heavenly father. And if he's our heavenly father, we're gonna come through this situation. I don't know how it's gonna be done, but I just believe when the dust settles, we're going to be standing. That's holding on to hope. And we hold on. And when you go there, there's life in that. Because remember, he who promised is faithful. He will back us up. Sarah McCracken is a, artist, singer. She was said she was heading down to Florida, heading south to Florida on a plane one morning. And on the plane, she said it was an early morning flight. It was dark when they took off. She said as they ascended through the clouds, it was still caught up in darkness. Most people had their shades down on the windows. She's on the right side of the plane, the west facing side. And she was thinking in her thoughts, she was going to a place she said it wasn't good thinking about problems, thinking about what wasn't right, what, what, what should have been done, what wasn't handled, just stuff we think about. But it's a dark place. And she, she's thinking about that. She's not paying much attention until she said someone on the left side of the plane raised their shade. She said, and all of a sudden, a just beam of pink light just hit her right in the face. And she said it immediately lifted her spirits. And she realized that on the left side of the plane, the sun had come up in the east and it bathed the whole left side of the plane in light while the west side of the plane was still shrouded with darkness. She had a thought of revelation. She said, you know, as I'm traveling through life, I have an opportunity. I can, I can think about all the things that are wrong, things that should be fixed, things I don't have, all the negatives. She said, or I can just as easily think about how good God is, how much he's helped me, good plans he has for me, eternity with him. He says, it's my choice. I can think about the dark or I can think about the light. And thinking about the light brings light. When it comes to the dark places, don't go there. Would you bow your head with me? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Please don't leave. We'll be out of here in just a couple of minutes. But if you came and said, you know, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I've, I've never really trusted him to be my savior or I'm not sure. Or maybe you, you're kind of like I was. And maybe you had done that time past and you got away from him and you recognize, hey, living away from God, living in the dark is nowhere where I want to be. So I want to give you opportunity this morning, an opportunity to make a decision that takes you from darkness to light or brings you back into the light. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. That's you that I'm talking to. And you say, Alan, that's me. Would you, uh, man, I want to come out of the darkness into the light. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up real quick to say, Alan, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. His hands have gone up all over. Anybody else? Great. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. Pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray with you out loud as a church family. If you're watching online, you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, you pray quietly. We say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. 
right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, if head's still bowed and eyes closed, Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer. For those, Father, that have come out of spiritual darkness into the light and for those who've come back, those who've come home, we rejoice with them. Heavenly Father, I also pray right now this morning for everyone who is dealing with such darkness in their own life, the hopelessness of their situation, maybe they're down on themselves. And Lord, I ask that you would, that this message, my words, someone's words that would come in that would be a light in the dark place, that there is hope in you, that they can hold fast to that hope because you are faithful. And for the rest of us, Lord, maybe things aren't that dark, but teach us how to think and walk in the light that we might be a light to others. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.